From Relay FM, this is Download, recorded Thursday, March 15th, 2018. This is episode 46, Count the M's. Welcome to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and other stuff that you probably care about. I'm Jason Snell, your host. I'm joined by two wonderful guests, uh, director of audio at The Outline, a very exciting title, very exciting daily podcast. It's James T. Green. Hello. Hey. Hey, how are y'all? Hey, welcome back. It feels good to be back. It's good to have you here. And uh, the person who introduced uh, me to you is also here. It is the co-host of Roboism on this very network and, of course, Dubai Friday as well. It's Alex Cox. Hello. Hello. Welcome back. It's good to hear you, Jason, and good to hear my friend, James T. Green. Aw, it's so good to hear you. Alex bought me pizza in Chica- when I was in Chicago. It was very nice of her <laughs> to do that. Okay, really quick, I need to know what kind of pizza it was. It was all the kinds. Well, There's a whole yeah. Dubai, Fry episode, Dubai Friday episode about it because we ate all the kinds of pizza in a very short <laughs> amount of time and then felt sick after for a very oh. long period of time. I yeah. mean, as an, as an ex-Chicagoan, I say that is the Chicago way. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. You bring. You, there's, forget this about t- bringing a knife to a gunfight. The Chicago way is lots of pizza. Um, okay, <laughs> let's get down to it. Most interesting stories of this week, chosen by me and download producer Stephen Hackett, who's not here to defend himself. It's true, he's not, uh, because he's uh, on spring break, having a having a probably a grand old time, not doing podcasts for several days in a row. What must that be like? What a world! Yeah, I know. What a country. <laughs> uh, topic number one is. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, worlds and countries, um, <laughs> Broadcom, the chip maker, has formally abandoned its hostile takeover of Qualcomm. Lots of comms. Some comms have two M's. Some comms have one. I think that might have been why it was a hostile takeover. Like, you'll lose that last damn Qualcomm. Or maybe not. Anyway, this week this happened. They abandoned their takeover because the Trump administration said it would block the deal for national security reasons. Among the reasons cited is the fact that Qualcomm apparently is the sole source for some classified contracts with the military. Okay, that makes sense. Mm. Broadcom is based in Singapore, although it's in the process of moving its headquarters to the U.S. Uh, Qualcomm was spending about 100 times as much in lobbying cash as Broadcom, which leads to the possibility that the government stepped in to protect the company's management before its shareholders could agree to the deal. (laughs) Uh, Ben Thompson Mm. over at Stratechery had a really good take this week, um, saying that what would probably happen if Broadcom bought Qualcomm is that it would squeeze as much money out of their patents as possible, while not really really investing as much in new technology, which would mean that in uh, future wireless standard development, Qualcomm would recede from being an active participant, and that might lead to other national security problems. Namely, those standards would largely be uh, put together by Chinese manufacturers. Anyway, um, that's the story. Does it make you uncomfortable that the U.S. government is stopping independent companies and their shareholders from making decisions? Is that, or is that, or is that a good sign because it's stopping consolidation? I, I, I don't know what to think about this. Alex, what do you think? I mean, I, I've been trying to understand this story in the past 24 hours because I knew it was happening, but I'm trying to wrap, I'm still trying to wrap my head around, okay, so why is this bad? And, so and Broadcom I think has you one M and <laughs> Qualcomm has two M's. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. The there would just reason, be too many M's. <laughs> uh, and, and I am, no, oh, I, I mean, the answer is yes. It, it makes me uncomfortable. And, but honestly, anything the Trump administration does makes me 
uncomfortable because I'm a shameless liberal. And this is also something that definitely came from somebody in business or somebody in the government who was like, this is just going to be inconvenient for us. I, I was talking to my friend who um, is a uh, cybersecurity expert <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was, he, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he was kind of like, yeah, we're not really sure. Uh, we don't know really, we don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but definitely uh, the government stepping in, it, especially on something that's not a clear monopoly, is weird and upsetting to me. Um, I'm not saying that Qualcomm and I, I'm not saying that all the M's getting together would have been a good thing, but I don't like the government stepping in to control any sort of progress of technology. I mean, Alex, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, everything from just like still trying to wrap my head around the story um, and also the same feeling of like, yeah, like the government doing things makes me kind of weary. And then also the Trump administration in any type of way makes me weary. Um, but to be like completely honest, I, I still find myself a little, um, confused and I'm still trying to wrap my head around the story. So in, in this case, Alex, I think you got me on that one. <laughs> it's such a it's such a big thing. I I agree. It is first off, chip makers kind of impenetrable. It's a very esoteric market, super important and yet really mm-hmm. esoteric. And then we have international trade, and then we have corporate governance, and it's all kind of wrapped together in a story that's super important and yet kind of hard to kind of hard to follow. Mm-hmm. Which is why I've been I've been looking at all these stories, and I thought Ben Ben Thompson's take was really interesting about this. It does. You do have this question of like, okay, well, national security. That sounds good. Uh, uh, most of the players are in this wireless field, um, especially the wireless standards and the radios, which is what Qualcomm's patent portfolio is largely about, and what they, what you know, a, a mm-hmm. lot of their key products are. Um, the, you know, outside of Qualcomm, a lot of that stuff is happening in China, and I get how there's also some, you know, there's competitive issues there potentially for the U.S., but also this feeling like um, th- there has definitely been a c- undercurrent of paranoia in the tech industry in the last year. And again, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. It doesn't mean it's not right, but there is this concern that China can embed things in tech that China builds that the Chinese government can potentially look in, look through and see data in the rest of the world. And that concerns the United States government. So I, I like I get that. I get that it's got a it's got some unique supplies to uh, to the military. At the same time, it is. A company that, although based in Singapore, which is a U.S. ally, it has, as a part of this, basically said, look, we will move to the U.S. in order to grease the skids for this deal. And that's apparently not enough, um, which is also kind of weird. And then piling on is the patent thing, which... Um, yep. Which yep. is tech, right? Like uh, Ben Thompson's point at Stratechery, people should definitely check out. That was, uh, I believe that was his free article this week. Um, yeah. He points out that Super like, helpful. the outsized value of Qualcomm to Broadcom is in large part because they have all of these wireless patents that everybody who's building phones or other wireless devices basically needs to pay Qualcomm. And of course, Apple is suing Qualcomm mm-hmm. because they say they're not offering them. But it, it creates this, as Ben pointed out, this distorted market where like Qualcomm is more valuable for its patents than for like making things and doing R&D on new things. And that mm-hmm. is, that is, uh, 
because the the tech patents are bad. I mean, that's to boil it down. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tech patents have completely distorted things by making it a barrier to competition, and and it, and it does things like this, where Qualcomm suddenly like the reason you buy Qualcomm is not. I'm reminded of like Toys R Us got you know all its assets sold off, and then they, they shut down the empty shell of it. It's like it, the U.S. looks at Qualcomm and says, "No, no, no, <laughs> you can't do that. We need them to do R and D." So, because tech, tech patents like are are an uh, an innova- innovation killer potentially. Yeah, th- like and it, I didn't even realize the patent thing was an issue until Ben's article. And the other part that makes me queasy is I don't think if, if there was indeed an actual national security threat. I don't believe that right now we're in a situation where the people in power could deal with it effectively. So it makes me even more like (laughs) it almost makes me hope that it's just like backdoor business wheeling and dealings. Uh, Patents are terrible and they're not going a hot take from Alex Cox Mm. and they're not going (laughs) away anytime soon. Um, And I, I, I don't know. The whole thing feels gross and I'm not qualified to talk about it but it's just mm-hmm. one of those things where in the pit in your stomach you're like uh, really is this what um, a republic should be doing i don't right. know and a thing that i've been finding interesting like when you brought up the story uh jason is like um a thing that i've been noticing uh at least here in new york and uh, i don't know uh if they've been popping up everywhere else too but i've been seeing ads for qualcomm um particularly in the subway um and it's very interesting to see qualcomm uh, kind of like coming into the forefront. They're like, hey, you probably never heard of us, but we're, we're, we're great. Like the copy of the ads are saying like, you know, we're the reason why your phone is X, Y, or Z, or that you're, we are the reason why you can like snap a photo and upload it this way. So I'm curious to like, um, it's just kind of interesting that I've been noticing these ads right before this news happened. If like Qualcomm is trying to, you know, have good grace, um, with this like, brand recognition um and like who are these ads for you know there are a lot of arguments for uh how uh, free markets lead to efficiency but they can sometimes lead to unexpected consequences i i read a story this week about you know thinking about amazon and how amazon has has dramatically changed so many different businesses but because of the way that the system is set up it's been very a very successful business and it's been rewarded for what it does even though there may be some long-term negative consequences and i was thinking about that in in, in terms of qualcomm as well like in terms of the system we've set up cr- creating more value for the shareholders by broadcom buying them out is that's what the system is designed to do so it's pretty unusual to have the government step in, especially a conservative government, and say, "Mm, we're going to stop the free market right here. We're going to stop the Mm -hmm. investment system right Mm -hmm. here because it has led to an outcome that that they don't like. And uh, I'm fascinated. The national security thing is interesting, too, because it's them saying this isn't about the Buy American thing, that Singapore companies, again, Singapore is an ally and they're moving their company headquarters to the U.S. because they want to be seen as an American company. That's not not enough in this instance, which is also kind of fascinating that they're, that they're that concerned about uh, Qualcomm. I mean, I mean, maybe it says something about the state of affairs in wireless technology in the United States right now that Qualcomm is the game, and if the game uh, goes away, then we got then we got nothing. But you now are in a situation mm-hmm. where the government is holding is building a wall. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to go there, oh, but there it is oh, around boy. Qualcomm oh, to protect oh. it. 
I really didn't. That was totally unintentional. Although Donald Trump was in San Diego this week looking at walls. So that was a thing that happened. I don't know. It's a weird story. It's a big story. And I I think that one of the challenges is that it is outside of, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's outside of everybody's area of expertise, but there's so many intersecting things that are parts of different areas of expertise that, right. that when I read stories about it, it tends to come from one of the angles, mm-hmm. but there are like eight angles here. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. It's uh well, it's, we'll keep watching it and counting, count the M's. That's what I'm saying. Count the M's. <laughs> uh, that'll tell you everything you need to know. Uh, we'll keep uh, watching the clock. As yes, no, say. we don't do that here. We just uh, keep watching the M's on download because there are no M's in download. <laughs> Something like that, but there are two M's in Qualcomm. Anyway, I used to like the San Diego Chargers, too. They played in Qualcomm Stadium. That was like the one bit of marketing oh. that Qualcomm did, um, <laughs> but they, they left, so oh well. Uh, anyway, we'll take a break. We'll, we have more things to talk about. Uh, we'll probably stop counting M's, though. This episode of Download is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Uh, you can use an offer code that is FM. Hey, that's us. At checkout, and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. You can make your next move with Squarespace, which lets you easily create a website for whatever your next idea is. It could be uh, an online store, a portfolio for your work, a blog, whatever it is. You can get a unique domain. You can use their award-winning templates and a whole lot more. Uh, You don't need to know super technical things, and you can build a beautiful website that does amazing stuff because Squarespace has built all of that in. Nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no servers to administer, no upgrades needed. They take care of all of that. Uh, They have 24-7 award-winning customer support if you get tripped up at any point they will help you and you can quickly and easily grab a unique domain name for whatever your project is uh the plan started just 12 dollars a month which is such a deal uh you can start a trial with no credit card down just try it for free you don't have to give them anything by going to squarespace.com and when you decide to sign up use that offer code download fm and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support for this show thank you squarespace for your support of this show squarespace make your next move make your next website all right next topic is about the media and journalism and what and as somebody who was employed by a magazine for a good, you know, 15 to 20 years, <laughs> let me tell you, this is also about like what is left of magazines. Apple announced this week that it's buying Texture, which used to be called Next Issue Media, which is this all-you-can-eat digital magazine subscription service and suggested it will probably integrate it into the Apple News app. So this adds, Apple News already did sort of individual subscriptions for certain sites for the Washington Post. Um, I found out my subscription to The Athletic also also works in there so now there'll be kind of an all-you-can-eat presumably subscription plan where you could buy uh access to magazine journalism and i was curious what you guys thought about this in terms of like is this good for journalism or the fact that apple picked this up probably on the cheap means you know i mean i like people paying money for journalism although paying 10 bucks for all the magazines seems like not the the greatest deal in the world and Mm -hmm. and does this make magazines more relevant or is it just you know their their irrelevancy will continue there are i i think it's irrelevant and i don't know why they would purchase something that is very much in old school media uh and i was like wait is this this like an accu hire type thing and looking at the app i was like oh no definitely not um it's it's just it's feels like garbage um and i guess they don't you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but there is sort of some proprietary way that they're getting the content in. It's not like a bunch of PDFs, but 
I don't really understand how is is Apple News just going to become a big ad for magazines. I also really hope people are paid for their work, but most of the things I subscribe to or the um journalists I like to pay are either independent or they are part of a some some website that gives good content. Right. Um like I subscribe to the New York Times but not the paper, the website. So and and it's not like uh I'm I'm trying to look and find any magazine that I would actually subscribe. Well, oh, I subscribed to Wired. I wonder if that would even work. But I can't even like navigate around this app. So it must be some sort of uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's not. The app's got got kind of magazine replicas, but you can also toggle into text mode. And it sounds like the suggestion is that the app's just going to go away, and what you're going to end up with is Apple News will have the probably those sources inside them, so you can just basically read stories. Which it seems I don't know. It seems it seems kind of backward, but I I, I I'm not necessarily against the idea that if I pay Apple ten dollars a month which is more services revenue for them i guess it they they've got a bundle essentially of content from different sources um i'm not sure if i was one of the sources i would be thrilled with that idea and i i and as somebody sorry for the nerdy back end stuff but you're right like there's probably like a content feed and since these are magazines it's probably a content feed that's happening weekly or monthly instead of on an ongoing basis which is not uh going to be great in terms of what you want to see in Apple News, right? Where you're going to want to see that content dropping all the time. So I wonder if even that will go away over time and they'll just use this as a kind of a uh, make make people feel good about Apple supporting uh, paying for journalism and then behind the scenes, they just kind of push everybody into, uh, you know, a new kind of feed. I don't know. It's, it's very strange. James, what do you think about this? Um, I, I'm, I'm along the camp of thinking that this is something along the lines of an aqua hire, um, mainly, um, for the relationships, because I know that a lot of, um, like magazines, particularly smaller magazines have relationships with texture and know how to work with them and know, um, you know, how to get, um, their, uh, issues, um, like on the texture app and things of that nature. Um, so, I mean, I'm firmly think like these, it, they're buying it more for the relationships to kind of fill the gaps that are um, in Apple News. Because um, like every once in a while, I'll pop open Apple News and I'll check it out and then I'll close it because I am like, <laughs> I, I've already read a lot of the stuff on there. Um, so I feel like they're in it more for the relationships that uh, Texture has uh, versus like the technology behind Texture. If that makes sense, yeah. Well, I think I think you may be right. I think that they may be viewing this entirely as a a way to create a you know. I mean, Texture's pitch was probably like Netflix for magazines. That was probably it. And it's it's yep. not like Netflix in the sense that these are all different magazines from different companies who are mm-hmm. have to get paid uh, somehow out of those ten dollar that ten dollars a month. Whereas Netflix just makes the shows and takes the money is basically it's a little bit simpler of a transaction but it does you know lead them down the path of why don't you buy this all access you know pass and and then all that content just appears in your apple news i i can i can kind of see the appeal of like if if everybody's going to to paywalls because they can't make it on uh, uh most of them can't make it on free with with high volume there aren't that many buzzfeeds in the world who can do that that maybe apple thinks this is a strategic advantage to have those relationships and be able to set up a a uh, you know, pay Apple ten dollars a month, and they'll take care of the rest. Kind of, 
kind of relationship. I don't know. It's um, the, the magazine. The, the bottom line is that the magazines made sense in another era, and they don't make sense now. That's basically it. They don't make sense now because now we have a free flow of digital information that can be uh, high quality and is instantaneously delivered. So you know you don't really need a magazine anymore and i don't think there there are that many people who want to read in that form of i'm going to get a blob of content that i have to i have to page through i don't know oh blob of content yeah the big it's like i can't read all, the, all of the new yorker blobs so I, I give up on the new yorker mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing you hear about <laughs> yeah i i wonder that if, if maybe they're buying it for some reason for the infrastructure i mean I remember a lot of folks thought the iPad is going to save the print industry. And it really didn't in the same way that it, quote, saved the music industry. But I think that I would like if I could subscribe to, say, uh, Mac Stories or iMore or something directly through the news app and have all of my stuff there. I don't know if that's better or worse for independent Hmm. journalists um, because I don't, you know, want my friends um, Federico and John to make less money. But also I know like having it pop up right there and being able to read Club Mac Stories that a lot of folks don't even know about just because with you know mm-hmm. google amp and all the other right. sort of strange ways that people get their their news it's hard to find that so i i mean i i don't know maybe it, it, it maybe like james says it's a it's a way of br- building bridges business-wise and seeing how this goes and maybe then rolling it out to uh, a, a lot of publications, kind of, y- mm-hmm. you know, the same way that there was the internal struggle of, are we going to make the App Store completely open or are we just going to have curated apps that are really, really good? And who knows if that was the right de- decision in the long run? I'm still not sure. Um, mm-hmm. But but I, you know, I still don't think we really understand this. What seems weird is that they put it on their site as a as a press release, right? Yeah. And they make the app look way better than it actually is, which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, is it the return to newsstand? I don't know. Oh. Um, but, but I mean, like, to, to get a little, like, inside baseball here, I mean, um, so... Like the people behind uh, texture um, is like uh, yeah, as you said, like Next Issue Media, and um, the people behind Next Issue Media are like Condé Nast and mm-hmm. News Corp and and Time Inc. Um, so I think like that's the thing to pay attention to more. Um, at least kind of just like thumbing through Apple News when I did, um, I would realize that a lot of uh, I guess the thing that kind of took me away um, the most is uh, from using Apple News is that like a lot of things would be windowed on Apple News um, a lot later than uh, things on the website, like big features on the Times uh, mm-hmm. uh, would come much later or it would be like a hobbled experience. So I feel like it's Apple um, kind of doing like uh, what happened with uh, with Beats where, you know, it's like, hey, like we're good people. Um, let's give you some money. Let's like get closer um, mm-hmm. and help us make Apple News better. Um, so I feel like it's more for that, for sure. It's. Uh, I wanted to ask before we move on about uh, what, since this is about paying for content, digital content, um, Alex, you mentioned that you pay for the New York Times 
Uh, any other digital content subscriptions you've got going? Oh, I mean, well, in, in regards just to news, I have New York like Times writing, is like, yeah. Uh, so New York Times, uh, six colors, of course. Woo! Uh, Mac stories, which or club Mac stories, yeah. uh, which is an excellent newsletter. People should check it out. What else? I think uh, Stratechery, uh, and a lot of these things are just like one person. They're sites that either don't have ads or have very few ads. Um, I think that might be. It. Oh, and Wired, um, Unwired. which had a promotion of like, give us $5 for a year of Wired. And I was like, oh, cool. And it's nice to have um, not only unlimited access to the magazine, but uh, they give you a PDF every month. However, I did not realize I was also getting the print magazine. And like James says, I've oh. already read the stories <laughs> by the time it gets here. And I'm like, can I give you another $5 to not send me this? Yeah, because they want to prop up. They want to. They're sending it to you because they want to prop up their print circulation rate because that's for yeah, advertising yeah. reasons. Oh, Ugh. let me. I mm, boy. Yeah. Magazine yeah. circulation stories. I've got them. They're they're <laughs> they're ugly. James, are you paying for any uh you know web writing? Um, I I used to um for a couple newsletters that I really enjoyed. Um, but right now at the moment, um, I just send money to um my Chicago um like public radio station WBEZ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. when they send me an envelope, <laughs> I'll write them a check. That's good. That works. <laughs> and <Yep>. um <laughs> that that's pretty much it um right now. All right. But I, I, I know like it's my twenty eighteen goal to uh send more money to people in my industry <laughs> it does it does say i mean i'm actually kind of optimistic about um the content industry on the web the writing industry on the web in the long run um because i do think people we have gotten to the point now where everybody is has is no longer pretending that you can just give everything away for free and make a business at it um even mm-hmm. if you've got huge volume it's a very hard business and if you don't then it's it becomes impossible so i'm i'm hopeful yeah. now that new business models around making people pay for content are starting to happen and work and uh, and that will keep those uh, organizations in business in some form, in a very different form than mm-hmm. they used to be, but still in business. Yeah, I, I can definitely say as someone who is uh, quite frugal um, as myself, like I, I definitely have come across like I want to say like two websites um, where I've like really enjoyed the things that they've written and then they've made something and they said, oh, you must be a member to read this. And I was like. Oh, you know what? I'll give them money for that. So I really hope that like more places will do that um, as an incentive. It was enough for me. Um, so I hope more places do that. I, I hope too, to James's point about, you know, uh, donating or supporting local news sources here in Chicago um, and, and in some other cities. Uh, DNA Info was like the main place where you got local news about your neighborhood and that mm-hmm was shut down overnight and there was uh there's a kickstarter for block club chicago which is um basically the reporters of dna info saying hey we can still do our jobs but help us pay and i i wonder if that's going to be and it was very successful so i wonder if that's going to be a a way that writers get paid now not just through a paywall but giving their content away for free but using something like kickstarter or patreon well it's all everybody's figuring it out and trying stuff, and I. That's again. That, I think that's why I'm optimistic is that some of this stuff is is uh, is working, and I I am one of those people. I have a subscription thing, and 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 very nice people like Alex do subscribe, and that helps me do my job and make a living. So it's a, uh, it's it's all evolving. Yeah, nobody got in the media business expecting it to be 
uh, or at least in the last 20 years, expecting it to be stable. It's uh, <laughs> that's not how it works. Not how it works. Um, oh, let's take boy. a break. I'm going speaking of money and uh, how you make it. Uh, I'm going to tell you about a sponsor. And that is one of the ways that I survive is reading about sponsors like Pingdom. Pingdom is wonderful. Uh, they're the company who offers uptime monitoring and web performance management. You're probably more familiar with Pingdom than you might think because it's keeping your favorite sites online. Evernote, BuzzFeed, Netflix, Imgur, all these sites use Pingdom to stay up. So if you've used any of those sites recently and not run into any trouble, you probably have pinged him to thank for that. Websites are pretty sophisticated now. They have so many different moving parts. Contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and lots more. Pingdom will let you check the availability of all your site functions. So it's just not a ping saying, hey, your homepage is down. But it could be your homepage is up, but this form is broken because you've got some other script running that form, and that's what's down. And Pingdom can definitely go that low level on your site and let you know when a component of your site is broken. It's easy to get started. All Pingdom really needs to get started is the uh, base URL you want to monitor. They take care of the rest. You can go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now. That's P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial. No credit card necessary. When you sign up, use the code DOWNLOAD at checkout and you'll get 30% off your first invoice. Thank you, Pingdom, for keeping all those websites up and for supporting Download. Uh, Time for the story you might have missed. This is something that may have flown under your radar, but is worth mentioning. The Marines, the United States Marines, love 3D printing. There's a great story on the Breaking Defense website. Uh, It turns out printing a two-cent plastic button for a helicopter can save a long delay while equipment is grounded pending a, oh, I don't know, $11,000 repair. The Commandant of the Marine Corps told Breaking Defense about six tanks that were idled because an impeller fan broke and it was going to take 18 months and $8,400 to fix them. A sergeant in the 1st Maintenance Battalion found a contractor who could 3D print them for $300 and she would get them in a week. So they are, uh, this is cool. Marine, the Marine Corps is cultivating young innovators with events that challenge the Marines to work on subjects like robotics, energy supplies, and 3D printing. There's a push to bring 3D printers into Marine units. And the Marines say this is happening in the Marines rather than those guys over at the Army because it's it's the smallest <laughs> service and so therefore it's less bureaucratic. Um, although it's hard to imagine that other services wouldn't pick up the, on this eventually, the idea that you could get your tanks rolling immediately instead of 18 months later uh, and for a fraction of the price. You would think that they'll pre- be into that, although I would also assume there will be a military contractor that is converting 3D printers to be military ready <laughs> to sell mm-hmm. them a, a markup <laughs> even as we speak. But it's still, as somebody who has had broken plastic parts in, in my life, for like my lawnmower and stuff like that, I've had that same thought, which is just like, you know, this is a thing that could just be 3D printed. I don't need to buy a new lawnmower. I just need to print a new part. And um, it's cool to see that the people who are doing maintenance in the Marine Corps have the same thought. Like, why am I waiting 18 months for for a fan? I can just print a, re- a replacement fan. That's pretty cool. I like it. I like a, I like that story. That's a fun story. So wholesome. It's just either printing stuff and then putting it in their tanks. Who doesn't love driving a tank? And you can't drive a tank if there's no impeller fan. 
I know that. You know that. Everybody I hate knows that. The problem every morning. Well, the, the 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 first one is the really funny one, which is the helicopters are designed, and there's a button that you push, and when you're in the helicopter, flying the helicopter, it, it's uh, probably pretty tense, and they jam the Marines. Also, these are Marines. They're jamming that button, and they break. The buttons break. So. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, you know, when you buy, when you're building a Marine helicopter, maybe make the buttons more rugged. But second, it's very funny that, that their take on it was, we'll just print a few dozen of these buttons and you break that one. We'll just peel out, pull out another one, (laughs) pop it on like, all right, break this one. We got, I got a whole, I got a whole case of these buttons. There's just a little drawer on the helicopter. (laughs) Can I hand you a button right now and you can just break it and then we'll move on with uh, what we're doing. But I I, I think it's uh, ingenious. And I think also really interesting about like the, uh, the soldiers going, uh, these Marines are going, outside of those uh you know in those industrial uh, supplier channels saying we mm-hmm, could we could do mm-hmm. this ourselves i think that's uh i think that's pretty cool too anyway um let me tell you about one last sponsor and then we will move on to topic number three uh screencast-o-matic is also a sponsor this week that screencast-o-matic is an easy-to-use screen recorder and video editing tool that makes collaboration and communication simple for everyone you can record all sorts of stuff with it video announcements marketing presentations meetings webinars Uh, video tutorials you name it on your mac or pc or chromebook the screencast-o-matic video editor lets you add text image overlays and animations you can add music narration and captions to make your videos shine you can easily share and publish your video creations to the world everything you need for your video is all in one tool with screencast-o-matic and for a limited time you can get started with half off a year's subscription by going to screencast-o-matic.com slash download 50 that's screencast dash o dash com slash download 50 or just click the link in the show notes and you won't have to type those hyphens uh, act fast the deal won't be around forever thank you screencast-o-matic for supporting download okay some news from the wonderful world of user-generated content on the internet this week who doesn't love it when people <laughs> post things on the internet right am i right good um, old yeah. content oh yeah the love pe- content user-generated content you know people posting things on the internet that's like what makes the internet go around so first First, first, Facebook has banned a British group named Britain First for repeatedly posting hateful things about Muslims. Um, I've seen two reactions to this report. One is people saying what took them so long. And two is people saying, wow, Facebook's really powerful. I hope they don't ban anything that I like. Um, what do you uh, two think about this? Is this, is this I mean, I, I would think it's obviously a good move by Facebook, but is it too little too late? And, you know, you know what responsibility do these online community platforms have to police stuff? Stuff like this. James, what do you think? I mean, yeah, uh, um, in the complete obvious sense, this is great news. Um, but I mean, like, like Facebook, you, you should have been doing this a while ago. I mean, it, like, I, I feel like it, it's, it's, um, these things should have been happening. Um, I mean, I'm glad that it's occurring, but it's kind of like the damage is done. I mean, it, it seems more like they're just trying to like cover their butt in a way where it's like, all right, like every little bit of a chance, like these type of things happen, let's make action. And, you know, I, I think it's great that the, that these things are happening. Like, like this type of hate speech should be 
completely like banned in all these costs, but I just still can't help but feel um, skeptical. Um, like ever since just like everything that's been happening um, with like Zuckerberg and his like apology tour, um, like, <laughs> you, you know, it's just like, yeah. it's just like every, like every day he just reminds me of like someone who is not a real human and is like trying to be human um, <laughs> in, in these type of ways. Like, um, like it's like I'm, I'm it's it's like I'm not gonna give Facebook a cookie for mm-hmm. you know being like oh yeah you ban people who thoroughly hate another group of people um so good question mark <laughs> <laughs> right I it's like okay cool you finally decided to start banning some hate groups uh okay cool um and and I can't help but wonder if this is uh, in response to the backlash of a lot of people who built Facebook, <laughs> Facebook's infrastructure, doing uh, public interviews saying, "Yes, we've created a monster. We must destroy it." <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. It's 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 fine. It's it's fine. We, we we're gonna take ta- <laughs> take down some terrorist groups. Um, and it, th- this does feel like, all right, uh, we're we're gonna use we're our our users. They're, they're the mice. We're gonna give our mice some cookies, and that's about it. I I mean. I also wonder if, again, good question mark. Maybe this will put some pressure on Twitter, which is mm. maybe more, uh, even more of a cesspool mm-hmm. of hate right now. I mean, who's, uh, I, I don't know. I spend more time on I Twitter. Mean, um, I won't count on it, Alex. I mean, because I, like, I know. <laughs> yeah. Because like, uh, didn't they, didn't Twitter just uh, recently get into the black? Um, like they finally turned a profit um, recently? I don't know. I don't know. I just assume that they keep losing money, but they, they presumably they couldn't do that that forever. All, all of these all of these social sites yeah. are motivated by um, in, increasing engagement, right? Which is why they're always terrified to do things that might decrease engagement, like kick people off their platforms or say that certain mm-hmm. kinds of writing mm-hmm. are, or videos or whatever is inappropriate for their platform. They're they're so right. wired culturally, I think, to not do that. Which is why I think you get the apology tour where Facebook's like, "Oh, you know, we created a monster," and th- and that's what they're definitely trying to say is like, "We're not monsters. We just didn't realize what we were doing." Now, I think it's debatable about they may have mm-hmm. very much realized what they were doing but that it became so uh untenable for them to have that position that now they're kind of backing it off and that that's what leads to mark zuckerberg saying i really understand how you humans i mean how we people feel <laughs> about these things <laughs> uh yeah i mean i'm i'm glad it is happening um I'm, I'm glad that these people have less of an outlet to spread hate but uh it doesn't make me more excited to use facebook it doesn't make me excited about where the platform's going or anything like yeah. that isn't it telling that this is news right this is like a yeah. very very clearly <laughs> although they have been retweeted by donald trump but very clearly a hate, an anti-muslim <laughs> hate group very clearly mm-hmm. right and right. the news is that they finally got banned after many war Warnings, they finally got banned by Facebook. Like that, that I think that says it all that this is news and that mm-hmm. it only just happened. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like never be surprised by the human condition. I mean, they'll just, they'll, they'll find <laughs> another place to, to congregate. Yeah. Um, well, that's it. So, yeah, but so without the power yeah. of Facebook, right? The internet will give them some place to go, but what, you know, but without the power of Facebook behind it. And maybe that's, um, that's all Facebook can do, but that's something. This is more for Facebook rather than like, everyone else right 
But I mean, maybe fa- uh, Jack is going to be happy to have some more users on Twitter. <laughs> but Facebook, uh, huh? Facebook, you know, has that power to reach into people's lives who might not otherwise see this stuff. There was a story about how I'm not sure if it was Britain first, but how certain hate groups, um, their whole system on Facebook is they post pictures of cute dogs. This is not the fuzzy puppy update, by the way, that's coming in a little bit. And it's not about <laughs> no. hate groups because it's a fuzzy puppy update and it makes you feel good and not bad. But they would post these pictures of dogs and then people would share those and then they would put um, their hate comments or hate statements in the comments. And that was a way to trick people into pushing their, uh, giving them like a little wedge into other people's timelines into which they could then insert their message. And this is what, apparently this is part of the the rules of the game here. And Facebook is trying to increase engagement and that makes it easier for them to do that. So the gaming of the platforms will also continue. So the other really interesting story in the world, exciting and fun world of user-generated content on the internet is that this week YouTube announced that videos containing hmm, alternative facts, let's say, would start being tagged (laughs) with links to Wikipedia articles that present what are presumably actual facts. So, for example, a moon landing hoax video would link to an article about the actual moon landing, which is a thing that really happened. And there is plenty of evidence to show that it happened. Um, Of course, YouTube is navigating the waters of how people use their platform to post really wacky stuff without actually having to remove it. So instead they tag it. They also announced this on stage at South by Southwest basically. And with a tweet, um, with apparently nobody at Wikipedia knowing that this was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Potentially it means that all the people who are gaming YouTube will also now start gaming Wikipedia by editing those pages in order to to, uh, buttress their arguments and then get in edit wars with the moderators on Wikipedia. And and let's not forget Google, one of the most powerful companies in the world, just decided to punt its entire truth detection apparatus to a tiny nonprofit that struggles mightily to raise funds to keep its servers up. Thanks a lot, Google. It's better than nothing, right? But at the same time, it's like, well, we're not going to take down the moon hoax videos because they're an important part of our platform. We're just going to add a footnote that says, this is not real. There is no way this can end well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, like, uh, there's a celebrity that's uh, that's fake dying almost every day thanks to, like, edits on Wikipedia. Like, this... Uh-huh. And well, this now you've got algor- algorithmically generated YouTube videos that do much the same thing, where they're just, like, mass posting mm-hmm. videos with different combinations of things inserted in them in order to get ad views, basically. I can't believe they didn't tell Wikipedia. That is shocking. And, right. And Wikipedia, the last place where they don't need to please shareholders, the last place where it feels <laughs> like we can try to do something good on the internet. Well, don't at, pollute it. Oh, at God. the very least, at the very least, if Google wants to to endorse Wikipedia as a source of truth, um, they should probably write them a uh, YouTube and Google should write them a big check. I was also mm-hmm. thinking about something like Snopes of like, or you could like make a mm-hmm. relationship with Snopes and they're mm-hmm. they're also struggling to stay in business and you could write them a big check. But the idea that as far as I can tell, and again, you know, I, this is just based on what Mike Isaac was saying yesterday. Um, and, and there were some tweets from the, the head of the Wikimedia Foundation basically saying, well, this is nice. Um, you should donate. Everybody should donate <laughs> because it's great that we're being recognized in this way. But Again, you have all those appeals from us because we're a nonprofit and we need to keep our side up. It's like Google, write a big check so that they can actually maybe fund more work into keeping those pages solid and and uh, uh, I don't know what a what a what a mm-hmm. mess uh, and and just like 
again, <laughs> they're not taking those videos down. They built a new apparatus <laughs> to just mark them as being fake. <sighs> but leave yeah. them up. Yeah. It's like showing up at somebody's house and saying, hey, I'm going to move in and I'm not going to pay rent. Like, yeah. I mean, well, I'll let you do it, but I'm going to write you a sternly worded letter about it. <laughs> That's the Google response here, right? Just we're not, you know, I'm not going to kick you out of my house. I'm just going to write you a letter and say, I don't, don't want you to be here anymore. You should be somewhere else. It also feels like they are trying to uh, re- rewrite history themselves and be like, oh, Google said don't be evil. Alphabet never said don't be evil. <laughs> YouTube never said don't be evil. <laughs> Yeah, it was those, those guys. We don't, yeah. we, don't, we don't talk about that anymore. <laughs> Ixnay on the don't be evil stuff. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, so what will the internet generate for us in terms of content next? Stay tuned, I guess. You're, you, you brought us on such an uplifting episode, Oh, <laughs> well, okay. All right, then I'm going to... Here's, here's how we're going to go out. We're going to go out happy. Sometimes the news is just not great. Um, this is why we have the fuzzy puppy update. This is why we why it exists at all is because these stories were bringing me down, and I decided we need to have something happy. So here it is. Okay, let me tell you a story. Our old dog uh, used to sleep on our bed with us. She weighed eighty pounds. Uh, we basically spent more than a decade sleeping diagonally on our bed in order to sleep <laughs> around the dog. And as a result, when we got the new dog, the new dog um, doesn't get to sleep she's not allowed to sleep on our bed or come up on our bed at all but here's the news a recent mayo clinic study uh looked into the sleep of dogs and their owners and found that sleeping in the same room did not disturb the sleep of either the dog or the humans although in a result that somewhat vindicates my anecdote that i just told people did sleep slightly better when the dog was off the bed and the dog slept exactly the same whether they were on the bed or not so if you need to kick off kick your dog off your bed onto the floor don't feel bad it's going to be fine um as for my current dog she doesn't even want to sleep in the same room with us she sleeps in the living room which is great because she's a boxer and she snores even louder than i do so i'm glad that she doesn't want to sleep in our room with us at all but um but anyway so so that's your update is having your dog sleep in the bedroom with you it's fine and if you don't want them on the bed that's fine they'll still sleep just fine in a little uh maybe a little blanket little dog bed down on the floor that would also be okay but 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 the good news here is dogs and people living together for you know tens of thousands of years we're not keeping each other up at night (laughs) i really hope someone does a study about uh cats in this regard i don't know i don't think the results are going to be similar (laughs) this this story said that, that they are they are looking at cats but cats are big surprise more complicated than dogs <laughs> of course and, of course they are and that if a cat is hungry in the middle of the night it'll just wake you up it doesn't mm. care mm. and that doesn't really happen so much with dogs although my dog wakes me up every morning to be fed she comes in and uh starts to grunt and snort at me and demand that i get up to feed her so i mean so does my cat but i don't know if 4 a.m it's technically the morning right. <laughs> i guess <laughs> yeah, sure <laughs> Uh, so anyway, more cat research. We talked about this actually on a Fuzzy Puppy update not too long ago, that there's more dog research than cat research, partially because um, dogs are easier to quantify in some ways and cats don't, don't uh, they don't give consent for, 
for testing. <laughs> They're just really standoffish and troublesome. <laughs> One of the reasons I think that uh, dogs were have always kind of been associated with boys and cats associated with girls is that cats always require consent and they care about it a lot more. <laughs> Uh, also, they really just, they, they like to be clean. Not, not that I'm saying, yeah, not, mm-hmm. you know, just, that's just a statement. I feel like we could get very close to a stand-up routine at this point, so we could probably steer oh, no. away from that. Our cat, our cat does sleep with us, by the way, most of the time. Not all the time, but he, he does, and, and sometimes he, he does wake me up, but that's a whole different story. Um, anyway, we are, Done. This is the end of download for this week. Uh, although we will be back back next week with more, and Stephen Hackett will be back next week, of course. James T. Green, where can people find the stuff that you are doing? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at underscore James T. Green, and you can hear the things I make uh, here at the Outline. Um, the show is called The Outline World Dispatch, and it comes out every Monday through Thursday. Episodes are like no longer than fifteen minutes, and we talk about an interesting story from the theme of power, culture, and the future. So download it wherever you find your podcasts. People should jump on it right now and check out that podcast. Alex, where can people find the stuff you do? I do a podcast called Do By Friday, and you can find that at dobyfriday.com. Uh, and uh, Roboism, which is on Relay FM. But if you're in Chicago and you're going to C2E2, uh, it, which is a comics and culture festival, we are having a live show, uh, which is in April. And I should know the dates, but I don't. Uh, also, if you want to follow me on Anchor, which is a new sort of um, mobile podcast platform that has also has merged into the traditional realm of mm-hmm. podcasts as RSS, uh, there's some. I'm going to be releasing some new projects there. Oh, fun! That's right. There's a Relay project. Oh, on yeah. Anchor now too, so yeah, people should. Oh yeah, and I totally forgot we're on Anchor too. There you go. And See? we have like the um, the Alexa skills and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Well, that's the end of download. I have been your host, Jason Snell. And even though Stephen Hackett's not here, he'll be back. And together, we will watch those headlines so you don't have to. See you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>